And thus ends our recreation of 60s Batman, as told through laughter. Hey, everybody. Uh, um, I'm, I'm painted on I'm, mustaches. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it looked good, though. It looked good. I'm going to have to did do it? that soon. I've got I've I've got studio work in just over two weeks, and I'm like, as we as we talked last week, you said that if I feel like the beard's really not coming in, shave like a at least three days before and, yeah. and let the skin heal. Um, yeah. And I'm kind of hoping it picks up because it's sort of sort of static now. It's kind of just in this weird blonde patchy thing. So maybe I'll just give up the goat and do a give, give up, up the goat. Goatee. Give up the goats um, and, and do a Cesar Romero and just put a lot of studio makeup over my sorry excuse for a mustache. What do you think? Um, you get away with it. I think that's a horrible idea. And I think oh, you want a list somewhere. Um, <laughs> uh, yes. Which again. again? The BBC are all about. Um, <laughs> what? I didn't say anything. That was oh, just good God. squeaked in. Hello, everybody. Welcome, and welcome to the to Big this edition of the Big Downcast. Yeah. Um, oh. The show where we cover geeky goos, geeky goos, nerdy, geeky goos, geeky nerdy gossip, nosip. Yeah. and all the things that are fit to make you say, "Oh God, just let me go, please." Um, I, of course, I'm your erstwhile co-host Matt, and with me is. Chris, dead from the waist down, but still kicking. <laughs> um, it's been a week, hasn't it, mate? It's been a fucking week. Oh, my God. Um, mm. I think the, the first thing we've got to address straight up oh. is the, the incredibly sad, um, tragic passing of uh, actor Chadwick Boseman, which came out yep. of nowhere on, well, for came... the general public. Um, yeah, on, it was it was sort of an explosion of, of a revelation for everyone who yeah. wasn't in his immediate life, which is as he wanted it to be. He wanted uh, his private life private, and he was always very much of that. Which yeah. you know is is uh, it's admirable in this day and age um, because it shows that either an actor or the team of people that work to look after them, agencies, publicists, etc., actually do care about the requests of their client, and they're like, we are yeah. going to make sure people don't pry into your life or people don't follow you around and photograph you when you're not at an event where you're meant to be photographed. And Yeah. He obviously would have been visiting, by the sounds of it, quite frequently hospitals within LA and around the US. Yeah, so, yeah. Like, I mean, the, the fact that this was kept quiet is, is wonderful that they managed to orchestrate that around him and his family so they could have their privacy. It really speaks to um, great strength to sort of maintain that public figure and mm. also be suffering so much. Yeah. Um, uh, for, for those who, for those, those who, yeah, yeah, those who don't really know the the, the extent of the news, um, Chadwick Boseman, uh, actor known for *The Five Bloods* and uh, *Black Panther* and *Get On Up*, um, he passed away last week of colon cancer um, at the age of forty-three. He passed away in his home. He was with his family. Uh, the news was released sort of within the day after he passed. Um, and it, it just sort of struck the world incredibly severely because it was like, wait, yeah. what? In a year where we're already either drowning in stuff that's making us feel really freaking sad or getting numb to all the bad news shit. 
and, in and, a way that's kind of disturbing when you look at it. You're like, oh God, I'm just taking this all as normal. This still kind of shook people, no matter what, because it's it, it's you know there there are people out there who physically work to save lives, like within you know military, law enforcement, uh, firefighters, paramedics, doctors, scientists, you know, uh, government officials who actually give a shit and make stuff happen so that things can prevent people from being hurt and killed. Yeah. There are people out there who save lives, but there are people who inspire the world who might do it through activism, they might do it through writing, they might do it through acting, singing, doing silly things, freaking sock puppets, whatever. It doesn't make their impact on a culture any less than those who are risking their lives and putting their life on the line. But no, it also no. doesn't it also isn't, you know, more important than the work that's being done in those moments. No, no, I don't think culture, we're saying that. culture can impact the world. It yeah. it's you know, it's and 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 what Chadwick Boseman was a part of, like never let's let's not even talk about his acting for just a second. The stuff that he was a part of, the the cultural moment in, in particular, the cultural moment in 2018 when the film Black Panther came out. Yeah. Um was huge. It was inspiring. Yeah. It was it enormous. was uh I'm trying to remember who it was. I saw a journalist the other day on Twitter, she was saying that like it it was an event that was steeped in what she and her family referred to as black joy. Yeah, yeah. Because it Absolutely. was it's so un it's so it's so irregular in mainstream and it, media. And it might have that, seemed sort of um you know, another silly superhero film to I think a lot of people who are not uh, paying attention <laughs> but mm. it was mm. a really for so many you see so many stories of, of, of young black kids uh, particularly young black boys um like seeing themselves represented on screen seeing their sort of their power fantasy their sort of um uh, str their thing to strive for uh, mm. represented on screen in a way that hadn't really been represented like it's so many things that are about race um, or involve race are about sort of like overcoming it in a day in, in a sort of Western society and the, the challenges they face. Whereas this was something that was very much about um, powerful black people and a powerful black culture. Um, and I, th I think that was a hell of a thing to be put out there and mm. the sort of effect that he had as the figurehead of that of that film and as a you know a major part of of disney's enormous billion dollar making media juggernaut i think it says a, i think it's it's not to be underestimated uh, or oh, to God, be no. or to be sort of dismissed i mean it, one of the, the really like sort of really saddening things that sounds sort of cheesy when you say it but when you when you see it in the immediate aftermath it was it was like oh wow that's how affecting this was it was like loads of 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 pictures being shared of like little kids having sort of memorials for their Black panther action figures and stuff mm. and it's like that it's that sort of penetration that cultural penetration that he was able to spearhead with Black Panther, I think was incredible, and you know, just as a on a human level, to be able to do, to be able to do the work he'd done over the last five years, well, last four years really, since his diagnosis, is incredible because he was diagnosed with stage three 
colon yeah. cancer in 2016. So this would have been probably when he was finishing up filming Civil War. Or, yeah, um, or at least or at least during the press for it. Yeah, like, you know. Um, so so he he's just laid down a massive motion picture. Probably his sort of his most yeah. biggest exposure yet as a performer Absolutely. because it was Absolutely. going to a mainstream audience uh, of all ages. Introducing the world to the first live-action depiction of, of a comic book character who's been seen as an icon for 40-odd years. Yeah. And, you know, uh, that to then find out that, hey, you're on limited time. And go, that's between me and mine. Yeah. I'm going to spend every moment I can with my family. And yet, at the same time, can we acknowledge his wife being incredibly generous Jesus, to share yeah. him with the world, to still be like, do the press tours, get out there, talk to people... Because, I mean, I can't speak for her because I don't know, but she must have seen the effect that, like, his his representation, his performance was having on people, on oh, the culture. Yeah, I think so, yeah. And and to, to knowing that your time with him is super limited, to still be like, go. Well, I think there go was do the, it, the go out of, there. The sort of hope that it would be, they would be able to treat it. Because they, he was undergoing treatment for it. Yeah, um, but four obviously years, over man. over the four years, it, it it progressed to stage four and ultimately, um, ultimately claimed his life uh, this this last week. So, it but it, I think it speaks to the incredible strength of character of the man to be able to do the amount of work he did while mm. going through that treatment and keeping um, a sort of public face on it. I it I definitely. Um, puts a lot of his sort of like press appearances and stuff in a new light because when you see him in between films like looking very much slimmer and mm. like sometimes looking a bit sort of just tired i don't know i'm not surprised he must be yeah. he must have been exhausted like the, well, what he put his body through must have been really punishing but to not betray that sort of underlying struggle i think was just incredible and well, there was there was that recurring sort of internet, um, internet meme. I guess would be the way to describe it. Uh, in twenty eighteen, late twenty eighteen, when he was seen a couple times at events, like he was throwing up um, the Wakanda forever, like the 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 arm gesture. Yeah. And people were making comments like, oh, "God, he looks like he's so sick of being asked to do this. Oh, he sounds like he's so bored of doing this. Looks like he's so bored of doing this." And it's like. He went on after that in an interview. I can't remember which interview it was, but he said in an interview that like, no, he gets the importance of that because of what it represents. Yeah. He says he know he knows he does that. He crosses the arms to anybody who is like moved or inspired by the film, by by the the character. He knows that like people seeing that in person, it really speaks to them. It makes them feel really good. And and you know it it's also you know aside from just the pop culture thing of like oh shit he's doing the thing from Black Panther that's so cool <laughs> like it it really inspires a certain generation of Americans and of course like a lot of Black Americans especially at these events were fucking loving it African Americans who are really connecting with that world in that film it's like a it's literally like a salute to say like I got you like I have you you know what I mean it, it, it's it's a yeah. it's a communication. So he made that clear in in 2019 that no he he gets why he does it because it, he gets why it, it's important. Yeah. He didn't say well he didn't comment on the like people saying you're tired of it. He just said like no I do it because it's another. Yeah. Because of course he didn't want to then say I look tired yeah. because I am and like yeah. what he was dealing with like oh my god. It's nuts. It's nuts. And he he, he was on uh, I think the last sort of public thing he did was a bit earlier this year he went on his instagram he did a live story he was just chatting to people for a bit and and 
And the majority of comments in the aftermath were like, he looks so skinny. He looks yeah. so, like, gone. Is everything all right? And obviously the speculation, oh, it's for a role. It's for this, that, the other. And it's like, no, it's... He's taking his time to be at home, get treated as much as he can and spend yeah, time with his yeah. family. Like, he's not doing a punishing weightlifting routine because there's no call for it. And it's very likely, due to the way the movie business works, and also just due to the fact that they're in friendships, it's likely that people like Kevin Feige and Ryan Coogler, at the very least, those two, were aware of what was going on they must in have his been. life. Because I don't think there's any way that, that Disney well, would have continued to employ him if he had any... Um, any sort of impression that he was hiding something like that from them and it probably it wouldn't surprise me if they were you know fully on board and supporting and funding his treatment as part of his oh yeah employment yeah. i mean that would make sense um uh, but they, they, they'd they'd absolutely be made aware of of, of what was going on um just because obviously like for the sake of respect between them all and and i mean you can tell that some of his co-stars maybe didn't know the extent of it since like they've sort of gone oh man like did not see this coming and you're like oh shit and and that's again totally was his prerogative and his family's prerogative like because at the same time i guess it it seems like he didn't want to burden people with it too much as well yeah which is an odd thing to sort of you see that a lot with people who have chronic or terminal illnesses um not wanting to burden people with that sort of knowledge or that or sort of the baggage that comes with their the yeah. diagnosis or condition and it's a weird thing to sort of think of as like not wanting to burden people with what you're going through but i i guess i i guess again it speaks to the strength of the man um, yeah it, it's sort of a it's a two-way street it's it's yeah. it's you should never feel like if you ha- if you have a hidden disability if you have a condition that is really gr- dragging you down at, at, a, at a moment in time you shouldn't feel you shouldn't feel um that it's necessary to keep it secret. Like yeah. if you need that help and support, talk to people, talk about it. it. Like it's, you know, there are pricks in the world, but fuck the pricks. Like you surround yourself with friends and family and people who care about you and talk about it, like go over it. And it but seems like the he, same... he had those people close oh, to yeah. him to do that with. Which, um... which plays to the other side. Cause at the same time, it looks like he didn't really want to maybe for the sake of privacy, um, which is the sake of his family's though. privacy, yeah. yeah, or maybe just for the sake of like, you know, maybe just for the sake of like his the young viewers, young kids who really looked up to the yeah. character and 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 whatnot, and uh, and uh, you know the, the black community as a whole that like looked to him as a figure of strength and everything. It wasn't that he was trying to keep it secret. It's just like they don't they don't need to know this right now. They don't need to. They, they've yeah. got enough worry in their lives to add this to the pile. And um, I think that's an incredibly selfless way to approach being yeah. a public figure and being mm. the sort of figurehead of this, at this cultural moment. Um, and yeah, d- nothing but respect for for our king, the man, for the man and his work. Like mm. what an amazing body of work to leave behind over a period of four years. It's nuts, isn't it? And um, with 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 at least one project in post production still. Uh, Still oh. looking to come out later this year. Yeah, yeah so that'll be I think it's a Netflix film. I'll just have a quick. Well, he just done the so Five you know. Bloods for Netflix for Spike Lee. Yeah, which um, he was very, so he was very proud year. of. He was super fucking proud of. Yeah, um, he made no bones about that in the uh, the interviews for it. I mean, obviously, if you want his if you want his filmography, look out. Significant movies are uh, Forty Two, uh, Get On Up, uh, Marshall. I've still not seen that. I've always wanted to watch that one. Mm. Uh, and of course, he appeared in four MCU movies. 
Um, Five Bloods, 21 Bridges, both of those are on Netflix, I believe. And the one that's coming up on Netflix is uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Uh, it's an <laughs> upcoming drama film directed by George C. Wolfe based on the play of the same name. Um, <laughs> Black Bottom. Yes. Yeah, so that's uh, coming out later this year. So that's his, that's the posthumous uh, release for Chadwick and, and yeah, like I, you know, I, uh, God, that now that it's nearly a week on, it's kind of a a less grotesque time to sort of go. So considering obviously he was part of a very big ongoing story, a franchise. Oh, yeah, what's what? what's next? And and. That's you know fair enough. Like obviously those those questions have to be asked and the, that stuff has to be dealt with in time. Um, but did you see on the night that it was announced he passed away, like two no, hours were afterwards? Straight away, yeah. yeah. But worst of all, Screen Rant did oh, a whole article rant, about it. Man. Two hours after the announcement, I think I've blocked away. Screen Rant from my newsfeed now. I have now after this, Jesus. Yes, like, just, just two hours after, just two hours after, like, what they're gonna do for Black Panther two? Piss off! A man has died. Give matter. it time. Like, it doesn't matter what they're gonna do. They'll they'll work out some way to continue whatever um, mm. plans that they had for for you know him going forward as a as a part of that. And they'll um, hopefully, hopefully, do it with uh, respect for the man's legacy. Mm. That's all. That's, I guess that's what all we can hope for. And. Um, yeah. Speaking of speaking of studios not respecting um, the the cultural impact of an actor from a minority being cast yeah. in a large franchise, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, John Boyega is the cover star for GQ this month. Um, yes, uh, John Boyega, uh, 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 another another king that we aren't afraid to stand, ladies and gentlemen. Um, one of those where, like, I've heard stories from people who've worked directly with him that have not been good stories, but then you see the stuff he does in the world for activism, for people, and you're like, this is a good man. Maybe he's just a prick on some work days. That's something he needs to work on. But, but, he does not mince his words. He is as polite as he can be when it comes to uh, feeling like he's been fucked over by a studio or by a publicity yeah. machine. He's polite as he can be, but then we'll eventually go, yeah, all right, now here's what I think. Uh, the GQ interview talks about a bunch of stuff. Um, it's also got an amazing photo shoot with it as well. Like, dude, I mean, just, just completely on a shallow thing right here. Boyega, fucking hell, gorgeous. It's hard not to make John Boyega look good, to be fair. I mean, he's just, he's a beautiful be man. Um, so, yeah. Uh, oh, God. So here's, here's, I mean, the first thing, this is fascinating as fuck. Uh, so while he was filming, uh, let's see where this is. Do, 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 do. Uh, so while he was filming Half of a Yellow Sun a few years back, yeah, um, uh, he was. Uh, this is. I mean, go read the full article, guys. G just search GQ John Boyega. It's worth reading. But um, he was uh, scudding slowly out from the uh, port city of Calabar to the production hub in a nearby riverside outpost called Creek Town. So it was meant to be a forty-five minute journey from where they, you know, uh, where pick up the artists and some of the other people on the set would get mm -hmm. picked up ferried and then they'd be where the production camp was for this particular part of the shoot right yep um so suddenly out on the water the boatman cut the engine and turned his attention to boyega whether it was something in boyega's demeanor or his western dress 
this enterprising captain in a country where a degree of cheerful extortion is generally a daily fact of life, scented an opportunity to make some cash, so he laid it out simply. If Boyega wanted him to start the engine again, then he needed to hand over some more money. Fast. Here, miles away from a camera or craft services, the actor found himself involved in the sort of damp browed uh, character-defining standoff that is the hallmark of many a great thriller. I felt very fearful, said Boyega, remembering the expectant glances of the other passengers, the lapping sound of the water, the tense sway of the becalmed boat. But I think it was the first time that I went into fight-or-flight mode and was just like, okay, well, both of us are going to die today then because I'm definitely not going to back down. I told him, I'm going to pay you the money that's owed, but we'll both be dying in the sea here if you think I'm going out like this so that you can get more from me. Of course, it did not come to physical confrontation. And two watery graves in the Atlantic, after 50 minutes or so of back and forth, Boyega heard the no- approaching growl of a police boat manned by AK-47 towing officers sent by the production staff to look for him. Mm. Hist- history sadly does not record just how quickly the boats would be hostage-takers soiled his pants. <laughs> but it's just like... This, that is that's a fucking brave thing to do like suddenly in the middle of nowhere like in, in a country that you know has been through a lot of shit and unfortunately has driven a lot of people to being unscrupulous shit heels in places yeah for someone to be like right movie star it's like the dude's just made attack the block and that's it like it's not like he's fucking flowing no. with cash but no. okay you know, okay, movie star like I'm not moving this boat any further unless you pay me right now pay me more money and he's like all right I'll pay you what's owed, but I'll fucking kill you if you if you think I'm gonna give you any more money. He's like, oh, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> it's like there you go. Um, so he, he, this this is the kind of person John is. He will not take shit if he can fight back, no. uh, and if it's the right thing to do. Which As we saw earlier this year at the, the BLM process earlier this year. Yeah, it was like, amazing. Absolutely amazing. Like, so impassioned. And the bit where he said, like, I don't know if I'm going to have a career after this, but fuck that. And then you had so many directors and, and producers coming out saying, don't worry, we've got you. Yeah. It's like, oh, shit. Like, you know, like, don't you worry. Don't you fucking worry. Everyone sees what you're doing and how important it is. You are not going to be scrutinized by the industry for like, oh, well, we don't want to get political. Now, fuck that. People have got your back. Do what you need to do. Yeah. Help the movement. Um the reason this interview is, is kind of blown up on the internet is because the extracts they're mostly pulling out of uh, of it are the ones in relation to the rise of Skywalker and post-Star Wars life for John Boyega. Yeah. Um, because this is the first sort of full interview he's given to any press since the release of Rise of Skywalker in December of last year. He's given, like, you know, pull quotes and... Yeah, bits Tweet, here and tweets there. and stuff, but he's not done. He's a... not. He's not quite on Twitter. <laughs> oh, he's not quite on Twitter. But um, he's all. He's also non-specific. He always keeps it nice and like you. Can, you have, his tweets are open to interpretation yeah. a lot yeah. in terms of what he's saying. But either way, you can tell he's pissed off with uh, the extreme, what's known as Raylo fandom, i.e., the people who love the idea of Ray and Kylo Ren from Star Wars getting together. Because yeah, weird, isn't it? He finds that weird, and then when they get antagonistic with him, he gets really trolley right back um but uh like i again i i I urge you all to read this article in in general uh because especially the stuff about black lives matter is is makes up the bulk of the center of the article and it is well worth a read um it's a perspective that i as you know a like privileged white guy completely need to see more of because i want to educate myself i want to learn i want to be a better ally but uh, for the purposes of this podcast, where we mostly 
um, talk about shit that doesn't matter. Uh, the Star Wars tea. Because people are going to be like, mm, come on, what's the tea? The Star Wars tea is thus. And, oh. um, yeah. Uh, how do I put this? The gist of it is he felt that when The Force Awakens happened, when he was casting The Force Awakens, the first of the new mm. Star Wars sequels, and the press around it and making the movie, he was having the freaking time of his life. He was loving the story he was getting to tell. A stormtrooper who's raised to be part of this evil army suddenly kind of realises the, the weight of what they're doing, gets the heck out of there, joins the Resistance in a moment of like blind panic and heroism, and then starts to learn to be a better man and push himself to like do the right thing. Yeah. Um, you know, we get a moment where he, like, tries to fend off a Sith in training with a lightsaber and does his best before getting injured. But it's, like, it's it's one of the... For me, it's one of the coolest moments in that first film because it's like, wow, look how far he's come. He's a freaking, like, janitor-turned-occasional shock troop. Like, you know, like occasional, like, ground trooper. And here he is trying to fight the guy who's basically Hitler Youth, the robot man, effectively. <laughs> like, it's just, you know... He's fight. He's fighting. He's fighting Goth Anakin. Not quite winning, but holding his own long enough to give Rey that moment to sort of like her destiny begins to unfurl. And I always feel like the Force Awakens, which is which is I've made no bones about it. It's my favorite film in that trilogy. It's the only one I've really kind of revisited more often than mm. not because I kind of like I like what it lays down, and then yeah. I'm like, eh, after that, it's that really weird. Like and all that, didn't you? Yeah, well, like I think again, Last Jedi does, but I have you, I have you respect, of... I have you respect for Last Jedi, and I, I love some of its choices, but it, it really ain't for me overall. And Rise well, I mean, Skywalker so... can suck a fuck. I have no also, idea what the hell anyone was thinking of, making that. In terms of John Boyega, for all it does well, Last Jedi does sideline him a bit. Um, yeah, yeah, so. and I don't think that was a, I don't think that was a deliberate choice of of Ryan Johnson and Co. Per se, but they just chose to focus way more on the Ray and Kylo and Poe stuff. Yeah. And as a result, Finn and new character Rose sort of like, here's their adventure. And it isn't really that important. It's like, oh, oh, okay. Um, again, you know, Finn gets some cool moments in that film, like him getting to face off against Phasma and sort of close I mean, that he gets a, he loop gets a is very cool. He's doing that than he does in Rise of Skywalker, so. Oh, gee, which Boyega has not been shy about mocking online. Um, no. But it, it, it feels like, um, you know, he, he similarly feels how we do in terms of the absolute wasting of, of, of Finn as a character beyond the yeah. first movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he goes on to say... Um, so this is interesting. In the continued afterglow of that first franchise defibrillating Star Wars film, he continued to notice a stylist he'd hired when he first started doing press. Quote, cringing at certain clothes I wanted to go for, unquote. The hairdresser who had no experience of working with hair like his, but, quote, still had the guts to pretend, unquote. Mm. And he decided that he could no longer grin and bear it like a grateful competition winner. Uh, he says, during the press of The Force Awakens, I went along with it. And obviously at the time, I was very genuinely happy to be a part of it. But my dad always tells me one thing. Don't overpay with respect. You can pay respect, but sometimes you'll be overpaying and selling yourself short. Yeah. With the Lucasfilm branded elephant in the room now acknowledged, it's even harder to ignore. This is Boyega's first substantial interview since finishing the franchise. His first since last year's The Rise of Skywalker tied a highly contentious, hurried ribbon on the 43-year-old space saga. <laughs> Ain't that just the truth? How does he reflect on his involvement and the way the newest trilogy was concluded? 
It's difficult to manoeuvre, he says, exhaling deeply, visibly calibrating the level of professional diplomacy to display. You get yourself involved in projects and you're not necessarily going to like everything. But what I would say to Disney is do not bring out a black character. Market them to be much more important in the franchise than they are and then have them pushed to the side. It's not good. I'll say it straight up. He's talking about himself here, about the character of Finn. Former Stormtrooper who wielded a lightsaber in the first film before being somewhat nudged to the periphery. But he's also talking about other people of colour in the cast. Oh, yeah. Naomi Aki and Kelly Marie Tran and even Oscar Isaac, a brother from Guatemala, he says, who he feels suffered the same treatment. He's acknowledging that some people will say he's crazy or making it up, but the reordered character hierarchy of The Last Jedi was particularly hard to take. Quote, Like, you guys knew what to do with Daisy Ridley. You knew what to do with Adam Driver. You knew what to do with these other people, but when it came to Kelly Marie Tran, when it came to John Boyega, you know fuck all. Yeah. So what do you want me to say? What they want you to say is, I enjoyed being a part of it. It was a great experience. Nah, nah, nah. I'll take the deal when it's a great experience. Yeah. They gave all they gave all the new ones to Adam, all the new ones to Daisy. Let's be honest, Daisy knows this, Adam knows this, everybody knows. I'm not exposing anything. It's true. Like he's yeah, he's not wrong. He's completely not wrong. right. It's like none of these actors, like they all would have focused on what they were doing and what their role was and getting their part nailed and everything. They'll focus on that. But when you look at the finished product, you're like, yeah, it's sort of like they introduce Rose and they they continue with Finn and they kind of just give him nothing, like absolutely nothing in comparison to um to what Finn gets in the first movie to deal with, um. He's on a breathless roll now, breaking his long corporate or murder to touch on the unthinking, systematic mistreatment of black characters in blockbusters. They're always scared. They're always freaking sweating, he says. And what he sees is the relative salvage job that returnee director J.J. Abrams performed on The Rise of Skywalker. Quote, everybody needs to leave my boy alone. He wasn't even supposed to come back and try and save your shit. Uh, Even though he also acknowledges that it was an amazing opportunity and a stepping stone that has precipitated so much good in his life and career, he is palpably exhilarated to be finally saying all this. But to dismiss these words as merely professional bitterness or paranoia is to miss the point. His primary motivation is to show the frustrations and difficulties of trying to operate within what can feel like a permanently rigged system. He is Mm. trying, really, to let you know what it feels like to have a boyhood dream ruptured by the toxic realities of the world. Um, I mean, he's not wrong. He's, he's not, wrong. not wrong. Like, and also that I like the fact that he's making clear like I'm not shitting on everyone. Like he he dis he disagrees with a lot of choice. It seems like Ryan Johnson and the direction of that film is the one that he takes the most bugbear with. The Last Jedi, because by the time of the Rise of Skywalker, he's just like fucking whatever. Let's finish this contract. Let's go. Yeah. So he so he's equally dissatisfied with that, but he also is acknowledging that hey. It ain't J.J. Abrams' fault. You, the public, don't know how far along the development of the Colin Trevorrow movie was before J.J. had to come in and save it and make it work. Pretty like, far by all oh. accounts. I mean, to the point where a semi-script was completed yeah. and post pre-production work was in abundance. Yeah. Uh, to the point where um, the novelizations and such obviously relied so much on the original screenplay that they all got either cancelled or put back massively. Behind the scenes books got recalled because they contained imagery from the previous version. Um, Labelled as like, you know, like characters that didn't make it in, but all characters and art design that was confirming that the rumoured leaked script 
was, was must have been real. Yeah, yeah. The one which people went, well, it's still not an amazing movie, but it's better than the one we got. And it's like, right, quick, remove all traces that it existed. We don't well, want people to know as, we fucked up. As easy as it is, to, as in in the only way that you can do that with a script that is just still a script. Yeah, it is a bit of a, a, a false equivalence to go, oh, hey, this finished film and this unfilmed script, this script was far superior as a film. But, in you know, as much as you can do that, I think that the general consensus it, was that this... It's more reactionary, isn't it? It's yeah. like people come out of Rise of Skywalker and went, that was shit. And then you're told, well, here's a version that's different to that. And you go, oh, I want to see that one now then, please. Like, it's, I, it, I get it. it. I get the, the sort of... desire. The themes and character through lines survived in that version. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. If I remember correctly, kind of um, sort of... Finn and Rose in particular get a yeah. shitload more to do in that version. Which was, also, um, which was kind of abandoned or or just redirected in um, in, what we end, in what we eventually got. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, yeah. but yeah, oh, I, yeah. I, and again, another, another, another actor I have tremendous respect for. In John Boyega because he's not afraid to speak out, which it's just so, you know, as someone who is as always and and I'm in a you know a, a position of of great privilege as a as a white dude, um, but as someone who's always felt that it's sort of frowned upon to be honest and speak your mind in in the performing mm-hmm. arts industry, you know, you've got to do a degree of sort of like diplomacy and ass kissing straight up. I got into a which lot he, of which sort of he did heat. exercise yeah. a little. Like he did yeah. a little. He, he he was more subtle with his concerns and issues during the the pre and re- during release press of Rise of Skywalker, but he also never said anything that was untrue. Nope. Like he, no. he navigated it enough, and then as soon as his job to sell the movie was done, he was like, "Cool, I'm gonna be more honest now. Like I'm gonna yeah. be more open publicly. Yeah. I'm not just gonna say the thing." So you were saying you like you found yourself in those kinds of. No, situations I, I, particularly to... in my, my sort of last year of drama school when it was like you know talking about to people in the industry about what you know actually going out and starting working there was a lot of uh for, of me being from a working class background i was like oh how is this open to working class people how is this sustainable yeah. for working class people and just not getting anything and i think i've soured some people on uh on me, the, the sort of attitude that I was seen to have. Um, there was one agent in particular who came in to speak to us, and I was like, "Oh," <clears throat> and my, I was sort of trying trying to frame the question of, you know, how do you, how do your clients reconcile, sort of having to earn a wage to support themselves. And being available for last minute auditions and, and jobs and such. And his response was, Well, you just do it or we find someone else to do it. Wow. <laughs> that's not a Wow. That, that's not a distillation of what he said. That's a paraphrase, but it is what he said. Yeah. Um, that is oh, you just do Christ. it or someone or someone else will. Um so, Right, so, so what you're saying is you guys are effectively not very good at your job then. Yeah, so it's a, it's a like much you're, you're either you're either not of... getting enough consistent work for your clients to justify signing with you, yeah. or you're saying your client should be lucky that they're signed with you, yeah. 
and yet not making them remotely feel like they have like won at life by being with you because they're still having to work twice as hard outside of performing arts just to make fucking like food on the put food on the table. So you know it's not it's not kind of the, oh, the same thing. I'm but it so is... sick of that rhetoric. I'm so fucking sick of that. You should count yourself lucky to be here. Fuck off. Yeah. Worked hard to get here. You should now be facilitating me as the person in charge of me who should be giving me the jobs, getting me the jobs, etc., etc. So I, I think it's bollocks. it's. Oh. Um... God. It's refreshing to see someone like John Boyega who is happy to just say it like it is um, and not sort of be afraid of blowback because he's, you know, he's... What he's saying... I mean, I'm not equating what I say, said back then to stuff that he's saying now, but it's that sort of idea of not caring necessarily what people think about you, just saying what is on your mind. And I think mm. that is that's that's a lot of lost in the diplomacy of navigating the theatre world, especially. Um, yeah. where you've got to be like, yeah. oh. Again, when I was working at a theatre, sort of having to balance, um, sort of what I really thought of some of the stuff that was going on, to be, uh, to with this the. the the um, desire to not offend anyone or upset anyone by being honest about shit. Um, yeah. well, was, it's one of the reasons... Chris Eccleston talks about it in his books. One of the reasons yeah. why he feels he got blacklisted by the BBC for nearly 15 years because during the production of Doctor Who, he was very openly like, why is this shit going on? Why does that have to happen? Yeah, yeah. Why are these people being treated this way? And the more he got called out, the more people up top within sort of drama took note and went like, right, well, we won't work with him then. It's like, yeah. no, fix the issues he's bringing up. He's not being difficult. If you perceive him as being difficult, it's because you'd rather cover your own ass than deal with issues. And when, when someone's in a position of authority, like in this case, um, you know, it could be anyone from Ryan Johnson, Kathleen Kennedy, like J.J. Abrams, in the case of the John Boyega thing. Like, if you're in a position of authority to make those changes, to, to actually acknowledge the problems, the injustices of the industry, of the movie-making yeah. development, of theatre, etc., like if you're in a position to if you're in a position of power and you're not using that power to make change for the good and you're just using it to run the machine yeah. then you shouldn't be there you shouldn't be in that position of privilege and power like it's i mean it's it's government it's it's maybe maybe society's just learned to accept this because this is how like governments have worked for the last 150 yeah, years like but nine yeah. times out of 10 people in charge people in power in the government do not have the people who they are working for, everyone, no. do not have their interests at heart. And no, and no it, one does, I don't think. I think that's the real the real tough thing. So it, it takes people speaking up and being vocal and being heard and getting support from... Everyone the, who's like able the, to look the, at it yeah. and objectively go, yeah, this is a problem. To be able like, to then yeah. be able to sort of leverage that pressure. Of course, trying to do it to government doesn't work, uh, as we're finding out. Um, but uh, yeah, I think yeah, I love seeing this kind of stuff from 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 uh, all sorts of performers, and I think John Boyega's been a been a consistently uh, refreshingly honest uh, person in his in his interviews, and this is no no exception to that. If anything, it's a it's a further development of that of that trait, in which is something that I really admire. Uh, so yeah. Cool. Go see that. Go search out that GQ interview. It's awesome. Yeah, and like, 
The thing I'd be interested to hear now is I'd like to hear if there are, what behind the scenes stories there were in relation to Pacific Rim Uprising, which was the first film by his production company. Yeah. Um, because I'd like to hope that if there were any issues on the making of that and stuff, he and those in charge of that production company are like transparent about it and like, yeah, here's what we did to deal with it. Here's what we did. Here's how we looked after people. Because if that's the case, if it looks like his team are very like aware of the issues outside of the system that they themselves want to avoid in terms of looking out for people and making the right decisions to take care of their employees and the business, mm. etc. If they're doing that, then whatever the hell their next film is could be fucking Leprechaun 20. I would go out and support it if it <laughs> means supporting a studio that is like very open, transparent, and ultimately kind. Like, yeah. that'd be nice. That would be nice to know that there are studios out there that are like that. I hope that I hope that John's John's actual personal philosophies and rhetoric feeds into his his businesses. If that is what I'm basically saying, I hope that's the case. Uh, I have no reason to believe otherwise, but it would suck if it was like, "Oh God, dude, you've let it slip through your net as well." Come on, when he's clearly so passionate about doing the right thing. Yeah. So, fingers crossed. Um, oh, on a on another um, note of uh, Star Wars news. Uh, the Mandalorian season two is confirmed to arrive on October thirtieth. Ooh, noinch! So, Little Halloween treat. There we go. Mm. I don't know if that's. Uh, I don't know if that's the whole season or if it's one at a time, like it, it was last time. I would presume it's one at a time. But there you go. I'm very happy about that. That's that's a, that's a piece of TV to look forward to. Huzzah! There we go. I enjoyed the Mandalorian um, a lot. It's it's the best. It's the best children's storybook. Made for people who think they're not a child anymore that I've ever seen. Yes, it's great. Um, I love it. Right, let's do some emails, shall we? Emails, emails. We don't have a sting. <laughs> Nor will we. Um, <laughs> so we're gonna pick up for, um, some of the stuff that came from last week, and also many more coming in this week. So it's a it's a good it's a good. Um, Jason, die hard. It's a, it's a good selection. Uh, but this one comes in from uh, Chewy. Chewy, our friend, your friend. Oh, Chewy, it's great to stay up late. Oh, Chewy, oh, Chewy, <laughs> Chewy. Chewy says, good evening, my Liebens. Um, <laughs> given, given Chris's development of an obsession with Hamilton since it's released in the UK, and despite the fact an all British slash Irish cast will probably be an odd one, given it's about the early days of the United States of America after its establishment in its own country, uh, which actors from slash based in the UK and Ireland would you like to see and who would play which character? Well, just the London cast. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the London yeah. cast. Yeah, the, the London cast. Ca- I mean, London production. Yeah, uh, Trevor Dion Nichols is already in it, and that makes me very happy because he's fucking phenomenal on stage. I saw him in the yeah, West End, and there we go. You know, um, I, I saw I saw him give his genie in Aladdin, and now he's giving his Washington uh, or was because oh, coronavirus oh, is Washington oh, oh. in um in Thingy, which is great because James Monroe Englehart, who played the genie and originated the genie on Broadway, uh, is uh, or has recently left the role of um, Lafayette and Jefferson oh, in, okay. uh, in the American. So I'm like. I love the fact these two sort of are having this weird parallel career. Yeah, all right, <laughs> like, all right. It's really all good. Right. Um, right. I mean, um, we could be really wanky and fan cast it. Like, really wanky and well, just, like, throw in a few names. Chewie goes on to say, obviously, Matt Berry's King George. I mean, not obviously, but he would but, give an I interesting mean, King George. Interesting. Um, he would give an interesting he, King George. 
I don't know what his range is like. I don't know if he could do the higher parts of that. Um, oh, also he, who, he, I, I'll who need to lend you Snuffbox. He can. He can hit the highest. Okay, stuff, but that's it's, fine. It's, that's but he fine. has a very distinctive voice. You know, well, you know the voice you hear what, in Toast and stuff. That's what we're counting on, I suppose. My singing um, voice is up here. It's like that kind of sort of... Yeah. So, yeah. But it, it, he could absolutely works. generate the, the, the pomp needed for that part. He could do that yeah. easily. Yeah, yeah. And King George um, is one of those roles who, when you look at the people who've played him since Hamilton's, like, you know, gone on tour, gone worldwide, etc., it's definitely one of the most, like, varied uh, varied characters in terms yeah. of casting because you get you get gentlemen of all ethnicities, usually white because they want to play off of kind of the visual dichotomy within yeah. the thing. Yeah, yeah. But um, all ages, all body types, like, it, it's very much just a... We just need you to play... A slightly unhinged, clearly something violent beneath the surface, posh breakup song singing yeah. twat. Like, that's all you need to be. And and Barry could do that. He absolutely could do that. Um <laughs> uh, do you know what? Um I don't know I don't know if he can if he can low-key rap, but Don Warrington as Washington would be interesting. <laughs> Ooh. Because he can, he can sing. He can hold the tune. So you yeah. could absolutely... Like, one last time, he could absolutely do that one. He could absolutely do that one. And Washington yeah. doesn't tend to get the most... Um, doesn't tend to get the most uh, uh, layered or complex rap verses. His are a lot more based on the vocal power of the performer. She would tell um, you for is Washington. See, I don't know. After seeing Kinky Boots, him as uh, Lafayette, so he can then be Jefferson... Uh, he'd make a great Jefferson, but then again, he's a real for that though. But, but, I Jefferson, mean, I, true. But uh, then again, he's a really intense actor, so he could give a decent Burr true. as well. Because Burr, Burr's like the really sort of Burr and um, and and Eliza are sort of like the burning heart of the show in terms of the emotional weight, like the, the scenes mm. where you have to suddenly go, "Oh Jesus!" It has to really hit you. Um, uh, and and Edge of Four can do Edge of Four can do heavy. Good God! I mean, you know, just take a look at Twelve Years a Slave. For Christ's sake, like the guy. Yeah, that's true. The guy is a freaking powerhouse. And then and the fact that the majority of reviews for Lion King were like they wasted Shuatel Edge of Four. It's like yeah, they did. <laughs> like can, they freaking did. In, in, in his version of, of Be Prepared, <laughs> you can hear him about to go for it, and then they pull back on it. And like, if you so just let weird. him do it, it would have been probably pretty great. It would have been the coup of the century. <laughs> it's you know, I uh, just ugh. um, I think other yeah, actors really like. It's a weird one because I, I I can't. I'm not sure how a lot of the people that I would like to put in it can sing or rap. So, I, yeah, I, again, don't know if he can hold the tune, but like Kaluuya as Burr would be quite good. Daniel Kaluuya. I was thinking of um, he, he can do he can do that sort of seething rage under the surface thing quite well, which in Act Two Burr has a lot of that like to deal with. Uh, um, what about Kalia as as Hercules Mulligan and James Madison? Oh shit! Yes, because when he plays quiet, he's really fucking funny. He's a really dry comic talent. Which like just, be for anyone, the anyone in the second half? Yeah, which would be perfect for that. Like, I mean, if anyone who's who hasn't seen Psychoville? I mean, a go fucking watch Psychoville. But b yeah, what are you doing with your life? for for Daniel Kaluuya um, in that because that was my first that was my first introduction to him. And I was just like, 
God, he's funny. Like he's really understated and and funny. Yeah. And the only sort of actually non-grotesque likable character in the whole series. Yeah. Who like who by that I mean is the only one who doesn't have some kind of weird supernatural contrivance or angle. Is just he's just there. <laughs> he's just fucking there. Yeah. <laughs> um oh god. Yeah, he'd be quite good. He would be quite good. Um uh, uh, we should probably move on before this turns into the Hamilton fan cast. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, yes, no, because you've got another casting. Big damn ham. Fantasy casting. Um, that's big ham be... cast. Big ham cast. There uh, it is. My Sorry. second question <laughs> is if Biker Mice from Mars got a reboot, who should be in it? <laughs> that is assuming you both watched this masterpiece when it originally aired. If not, be assured I will express my disappointment. Um... Yeah, I... What I love about this is we have younger listeners, so some of them might be like, yeah, when it originally aired in like 2006 or whatever the reboot was, we're talking about late 80s, early 90s cartoon, The Biker uh, Mice from Mars. Which, for those who don't know, is like a post-apocalyptic world of cyborgs and lasers and spaceships and shit, and three ripped-as-fuck mice dudes riding bicycles. All I know is I had the action figure of at least one of them, and the character was called Throttle. So, um, yeah, Throttle's the leader. Played by Rob Paulson. Played by Rob Paulson. So Which I is my to... answer to the question. Just barely, Rob Paulson. I barely remember it. I remember the so baddie do a little being a big, a big slimy fat guy with shark-like teeth. Well, they were, they're all aliens wearing disguises. And uh, all the aliens are cheese-themed names. Of course. So your main antagonist was <laughs> called Lawrence Lactavius Limburger. Limburger, that yeah, no, that rings a bell. Yeah. Um, oh god, what a what a name. Well, there was also N- uh, Napoleon Brie. Of course, of course, it was uh, Napoleon Brie. Let's not forget, uh, voiced by Luke Perry, um, <laughs> and Lord Camembert. <laughs> Uh, and a, a, a Plutarchian <laughs> lawyer called Provolone. Uh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, I'm I'm gonna go for a live action uh, reboot. And you're gonna genetically mutate some mice. Genetically mutate some mice. Um, and a, and a, and a tub of protein shake, and you're gonna turn them into some roided out rodents. Here's what I'm gonna do. You've got three mice, right? Right. You've got Throttle, who's the leader. He's the Leonardo, basically. Yeah, You've which got... is weird because like he was voiced by the guy who voiced Raphael, and this is one of the many cartoons and toy lines to come out in the early nineties that is just blatantly a ripoff inspired. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. By Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, it's so strange. Like um, what, Street Sharks, Battle Toads. Like, should, do do we need to go on? Probably. Ah, uh, Street Sharks. Uh, Mummy's alive. The dr- uh, the <laughs> dragonflies. Um, do you remember uh, the dragonflies? Mo- Jesus. Modo. Modo is the guy with the bionic arm. And he's the he, dark grey, yeah. Has an eye patch, yeah. And yeah. He's the sort yeah. of he's the he's the big one, but he's also the soft one, <laughs> like the soft hide one. And then of there's Vinny, who is got the bionic face plate. Yeah. Um, and he's like, "Ooh, I'm the coolest. I'm wee 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 wee." He's that guy. He's, he's so basically and lady killer. Right. None of them are Donatello. None of them are Donatello. There is no Donatello. <laughs> Despite um, Donatello have, being the best turtle. But okay, they, sure. They have a, a human <laughs> ally called uh, Charlie. Charlene Charlie Davidson, who's a mechanic who owns a garage in Chicago. 
So she... she's April O'Neil, but the overalls are actually because she's a mechanic. Yeah. Instead of just, I'm a news person who's wearing overalls. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, so here's here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. Yeah. We're going to yeah, we watched... it. We watched Terror of the Vervoids last week, and it's weird how Mel is just dressed as April O'Neil. Sorry. Yeah, um, basically. You want to uh, Michael Bay the bike? You want to? We're going to bay it up. Biker Bay from Mars. Yeah, we're going to bay Baker it up. Mice from Mars. We're going because we're going to have we're going to have Megan Fox as Charlie. Okay. Basically. Is she going to gonna... call the director Hitler? Yes, uh, because he is. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Here's here's what we're doing. Here's Mark Wahlberg. It's going to be Throttle. Oh Jesus! You are Mark really Wahlberg baying this, aren't you? It's gonna be troll. Um, if hey, this were being made hey, fifteen I'm a biker. years ago, I'm a biker mouse from Mars. Hey, hey, that's it. That's my that's, that's, my that's awful. If this were being made fifteen years ago, then we'd be able to have uh, the late Michael Clark Duncan as Modo. But alas, oh yeah, alas, yeah, that would have been we good. We cannot. He gone. So we're gonna have to settle for Winston Duke. Um, <laughs> you, I'm sorry, that sentence doesn't that doesn't make sense. No, no one settles for Winston Duke. If anything, you are uh, improved by Winston Duke. Yes, um, and Vinny will be Keegan Michael Key. Uh, so yes, okay, yeah, yes, yes. Villains, I, I, I kind of want to see this. <laughs> with with Limburger, you could have. Um, Vincent D'Onofrio reprise his uh, his kingpin, but very tongue in cheek. <clears throat> yeah. Um, or if you want to go yeah. camp with it, you get Josh Gad to do it. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Let him get to silly. let him get to full on play a villain role in a film and wear some prosthetics and and uh, you know be uh, be creepy. Yes. Uh, Don't touch me. You get Doctor Carbuncle, who is who is the scientist who um, gave uh, Modo his bionic arm and caused the basically gave uh, the the because all the mice have bionics, like throttle has bionic eyes. Oh, God, and Modo, of course they and do. Modo has a bionic arm and Vinny has a bionic face, uh, <laughs> or half a bionic face. <laughs> Um, to well, our younger P- listeners, yes, this is what the '90s was. This was P- the '90s. We'll do Peter Capaldi as Doctor Carbuncle in full thinker makeup. Um, oh, so just literally, then, just like just you thinker. dig out the prosthetics for the Suicide Squad, you're like, "Welcome back, old friend." He's like, "I, I don't, I don't understand. Is there not a new costume? Shut up and put these on, you confused yes. old man. Get on that set." <laughs> uh, there's Grease Pit. Um, who is the sort of the 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 bungling henchman? So let's go with Kevin Hart. Um, oh, so so he'll go from being a bungling henchman to being a henchman who sounds and acts like Kevin Hart. Okay, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, okay, he'll sell tickets. Um, he'll sell tickets. And th- those are just like the sort of the main characters. That's what you do. I mean, you could do like. There are other characters, but I don't really have much memory of them because they're minor characters or recurring, not as, as opposed to core cast. But yeah, that's my live-action reboot cast for Biker Mice from Mars because that's a question I answered today. Um, <laughs> this one comes in from... 
V engines. Oh. Oh no. Hello, Matt and Chris. <laughs> Hope you both enjoyed the DC fandom thingy. I'm only a casual fan, and I must say, I had a very nice time too. The Suicide Squad looks like the inside of James Gunn's brain, and I'm hip and square and down for that. Here's hoping there's a nice Jaws joke with King Shark. I don't know if that's been done in the comics. I dare say it has, but on a cinema screen, that could be fun. I think you're mm. right there. Um, yeah. Also, is it King Shark or is it King Shark? What do you mean? Like King Shark it, or King Shark? Is it is it Shark who is a king? Or is it <laughs> that? Or is it that King Shark? Oh! Um, king Shark. I think, king I think shark. it... I think it's the friends we made along the way. Okay. Uh, mm. Pleasingly, the Batman is looking rather fine. Fine. It's going to be smashing to see Penguin and Riddler on the big screen again. Those pointy ears on the A in the logo. Ooh, yeah. That could have backfired badly, but I really dug it. Like the iconography whore I am. Um, I sincerely hope that up and down the country grannies are buying DVDs of the Batman 2004 cartoon from the bargain bin in Poundland because their grandchildren are excited about the new film and it's just so nice to have a film with Batman's name in the title for the first time since Batman and Robin 1997 no, Batman Begins 2005 that sounds about right Uh, oh ah, nah unfortunately, no, Batman 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 v Superman Superman. Batman Um, very Superman Dawn of Jaundice uh, Toodle Pip Chap, stay well until next time. Excelsior. Excelsior. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was from V Engines. Yeah. Uh, is, that, is, that the, is that the relative of Enigma? <laughs> Probably. P.S. Riddle me this, riddle me that. The subject header of this very, this very, this email is a direct reference to a Batman book. Can you identify the source? First one to get it wins a prize I've not yet thought of. The DC Altar Awaits is the title of the email. What Batman book is that a reference to? Uh, What Batman books have altering altars that await? The Cult? The Court of Owls? Black Mirror? I, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know. Do you know? know? No. Oh, damn it. Um, Oh, damn it. This one comes in from from James. It says, well, hello there, Chris and Matt. That's both of us. Um, Hello. I hope you're both doing jolly well. I know I am. Maybe. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Just leaving us with a mystery there. I know I'm doing well. Perhaps. Uh, anyway, weren't we all treated very well over the weekend of DC Fandom with looks at Wonder Woman 1984, boom, 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 The boom, Thinker boom, boom, Movie, and The Batman? <laughs> the Thinker Movie. <laughs> Imaginary assistant whispers in here. <sighs> oh, I have been told that The Thinker Movie is actually a Suicide Squad movie. Suicide Squad, that's not what it says. It, uh, it is I'm now. Reading. It's apparently a Suicide Squad movie. I guess I'll take The listener that. can't see the email. It could be what it says. <laughs> What did you boys think of that one, eh? I think it's going to be bloody brill. Anyone else for Tiger King Shark? They haven't announced who's playing yet, but it seems pretty obvious to me. And doesn't Peter C. look fabulous? Please, don't blow up Dr. Disco. No. Oh, they'll they'll absolutely blow up Dr. Disco. He will get blown up. I'll tell you that for now. He's the thinker. What else is he going to do? He can't think his way out of a gunfight. 
or can he? Um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty jazzed for the Suicide Squad. I think it's just silly enough to be fun, maybe. Um, it, it, was... it looks it looks like the big dumb fun I, I want in the world. It, it's James Gunn returning to his darker, I'm trying to shock you kind of filmmaking after having grown and understood the merits of these stories being silly and not too serious about themselves. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's like, hey... Did you ever want to see Super, but like a 15 certificate version of it instead of a hard 18? Here's the Suicide Squad. So, Super okay. is like, Super's a great film, but it is a hard watch. Oh, it's very fucking oh. dark and uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. if you've not seen it, oh, I yeah. recommend it. Um, watch it as a trilogy with the first Kick-Ass and the Woody Harrelson film Defendor. They're all basically <laughs> the same movie. Defendor, yeah. It is. It is. Uh, it's. It's the weak link out of those three, but it. It the two central performances from Woody Harrelson and Cat Dennings in particular make it really entertaining in places I mean, and really Kat compelling Dennings. and really yeah. upsetting as well. Um, like yeah, if supers, that's... if supers like, oh my god, kind of disturbing. Defenders like, well now I'm just sad, kind of disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was definitely sad by the end of Super. Um, yeah, well, yeah. Then, uh, then there was the surprise announcement of the return of the beloved animated series The Batman, which originally ran from 2004 to 2008. I'm really excited as this was my childhood Batman show before Brave and the Bold came on the scene. I remember the days when this show was introduced by the well rounded, fully fleshed out character Fat Man on a show I can't remember the name of. I think it was a Summon Mark show? I have to say, I'm really surprised at this one, but it was a classic and I can't wait to see it back. Once more, assistant whispers in my ear. Ah, this is awkward. Uh, the trailer was actually for next year's The Batman film, starring Cedric Diggory himself, Robat Batinbat, as we all know, two delightful Australians have named him. Looks great. <laughs> Robat Batinbat. Robat um, Batinbat. They, they, they did indeed name him Robat Batinbat. Stop, Robat So that Batten is his Bat. name now. Um... I mean, it's our bats, but sure, if they want to say it's, Robat Battenbat, if that's what well, it, that's what it sounds like when put through a, tr a translation for Australian listen, listeners. The Weekly Planet pair go their own way. Um, <laughs> Robat Battenbat, fuck it. But he's here. <laughs> oh, and there was more Snyder Cut stuff too. What can I say? More Ray Fisher, please. I'm only interested in his stuff, which we got a glimpse of. Thoughts on all that? Yeah, the, 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 the sort of the, the missing footage that we've seen glimpses of is the thing I'm kind of interested in. But like I said, yeah. the, thing, the main reason I'm interested in the Snyder Cut is not really because I think it's going to be good, because I, I hope it is, but I don't think it's going to be. Um, it's just like I say, from a from the perspective of someone with an interest in filmmaking, of mm. seeing how they got from that to what we saw in cinemas, um, and just what went and why it went i've got a feeling that a lot of the stuff that they took out was probably worth taking out so um we shall see i will we'll, we'll have thoughts on that when it when it releases um guys i caved in and for the first time in years bought doctor who dollies all the dalek <laughs> sets and patty tea and i couldn't resist today's the chase set feet uh the chase set featuring a fully articulated Bradley Walsh. <laughs> Sorry, I meant to say two Daleks. Brilliant. <laughs>
No, sorry, Brilliant. actually, Brilliant. They're, they're just two Daleks. Let's face it, they're movie Daleks. Yeah. What Have was seen that set? What Have was seen that set? Yeah. Yeah. It's gloriously like devil a devilishly delightful use of copyright infringement avoidance. I love it. It's so good. You guys want movie figure Daleks? We don't own the rights to that. But two movie Daleks were given plungers and put in the background of a scene of the chase. So if we release these with a cheeky little label on the box that says the jungle of Mechanus and pretend that it's a Daleks from that. Then people can buy movie Daleks from us and they can have to claw themselves. It's are you the, clever. Are you the villain it, for the live-action Biker Mice from Mars reboot that I've heard about? Um, yes, I'm Senor Baby Bell. Um, I, I don't I, know. Senor Baby Bell. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> God. Oh God! That one killed me. Um, <laughs> Chris, what was the reaction to, to at home to you bringing Benson home? <laughs> Benson. Oh God! Yeah, the third, the unit set, third Doctor uh, Claws of Axel set with the, with the Brigadier Sergeant Benton and Captain Yates in it. Um, well, Brigadier yeah. Benson. No, Benson's not real. Anyone confused by the constant references to Benson? I do a series with my wife on YouTube called Doctor Who Review where we've been watching Doctor Who from the very beginning and she kept getting Benton's name wrong. So eventually it just became someone she'd referenced. She'd be like, Benson wasn't in this one. I was like, for God's sake, there's no one called Benson. And it seems to have crept into this podcast, into the live streams. It's not not leaving me. There is no Benson. Unless someone wants to buy me a separate Benton and draw like a a crude moustache on it. And then I could put him in the background of my shelf and call him Benson. This is John Levine's plan to get paid twice. Um, <laughs> just draw a moustache on, and then I'll just walk on. Um, finally, this go morning... to craft li- services twice. <laughs> finally. Get two this sandwiches. Morning, I listened to Out of Time. It's good. DT is great, and TB... Well, we all know how TB is, don't we? <clears throat> Sorry, it's a bit of a long one. Bye-bye, boys. Stay safe. From the Dalek Time Controller, I mean James. And he's also sent us some lovely little bits of fan art of, of sexy Robot Bang Bat and Out of Time <laughs> with a very, um, very, very uh, aged-looking David Tennant, it must be said. Um... <laughs> I'm sorry, could you could you turn turn this Robot Bat and Bat around, please? I, I have to look upon it with my dirt hole eyeballs. That's the Robot Bat and Bat. Oh, that is a nice robot batten bat. That is a good-looking robot batten bat. I like the fact you've included the guy liner. Thank you very much for that. And this is out of time. Out of tomb. Hello. I recorded this in my bathroom. Hello. <laughs> I've been dead for years. <laughs> I'm my recording dears. this. Well, what it is is they, they finally got... Remember that when... Um, BT made the the voice of text that got sent to landlines, Tom Baker. Oh, I loved that. Yeah, and where then, if you text a landline, it would... So if you text, like, happy birthday, mum, love you, to a landline, like, the landline would pick it up and be like, one message, happy birthday, mum, love you, ha-ha. Um, except it wouldn't the, add the ha-ha, 
yeah. the infamous website Tom Baker sets where they got him to say all sorts of rude things and movie quotes and, and put them on the internet. Yes. Um, <laughs> well, they've just done that, but for Big Finish, like that. Oh, you think that's what it really is? Yeah, Tom, Tom Baker is a radio drama vocaloid at this point. He's, uh, the, he's, he's Big Finish's answer to Hatsune Miku. Oh, God. <laughs> So whenever they cut to a photo or a little bit of footage of him at home during lockdown recording lines from his setup, CJ. and everyone everyone said, "Oh, he looks like a he looks like a little little happy grandmother. Look at him! It's little actually just a little happy grandmother that they're using as a decoy yeah. <laughs> to make us all think Tom Baker is still around when really he's working in the big finished salt mines. They're all deep fakes, uh, um, protecting all of the unreleased cassette tapes of Zagreus." <laughs> <laughs> Zagreus. Um, <laughs> I am Zagreus. Could you wander around for four hours and keep telling us keep telling us you're Zagreus, Zagreus. Just wander around for four hours and keep yelling. Untitled Zagreus game. Um This one comes in from Ethan Ethan Skillman. And this is titled My Second Eventful Cinema Trip. Hello, hello, hello again, you too. I'm still making my way through the podcast at a steady rate and have been thoroughly enjoying every one. I don't know how, but I'm glad you are. Uh, I have another unfortunate story from the world of cinema. I can only think slash say the word cinema in Matt Berry's voice, same as charisma. I eventually did get my refund from my trip to see Unhinged. I'm not going to go and see it again. I got the gist of Fat Unhinged, John Goodman, I mean Ruffle Crow. Um, and with my, free t- <laughs> with my free tickets, I booked to see Tenet today, August 27th. With my god-awful look that has made most things be awkward or unfortunate recently, except for GCSE results, which went quite well. Congrats. Uh, I went to the cinema in the rain. I arrived to find lots of vans outside the cinema. I woke, walk up and find out the cinema has flooded. So oh, I will have to phone customer services yet again to get another set of free tickets. In the paraphrased words of Papa Lazarou, this is really a saga now. <laughs> I think this is the universe saying, don't go to, don't the, go to cinema. the cinema, mate. <laughs> uh, I shall say to Ra until next time, keep up making this great podcast and no doubt I'll have another shit cinema tale soon. Tara, Ethan Skillman, a.k.a. Skilly1712 on Twitch. Ethan's next one is, I went to the cinema, all I managed to watch was Trolls 2. It was full of children, and they ate my legs. And also it I'm came not out going six back. months ago. <laughs> <laughs> I watched Apparently, screen, um, it, it, it's been on a loop since March. No one turned it off in the screen. No one can leave now. You're part of the Trolls family. Um, okay. The Trolls okay. extended universe. We've got we've got another email from our from our Doctor Who correspondent Sam. Oh God, I need to mentally prepare myself. Where's the where's the vocal? Ah, ah no, because this one's oh. not about Doctor Who. Oh, what Sam? No, it, you're slacking, it's, boy. It's, ti- it's titled "Bad Films That I Like." Oh. So hi. This week I was going to do a Doctor Who review, but I'm not. I'm going to be telling you about the best Superman movie, Superman Three. Yes, I like, no, I love this film. So can we get started? Okay, let's go. Mago is in this for five minutes. Why? But I like the new girl who is Lan Lang and her son Ricky. 
Clark sees her again at the Smallville High School reunion, and a romantic movie becomes a good versus evil movie. Robert Vaughn is so good in this, but he's a bit too villain. <laughs> Gus Gorman, well, he's okay. Okay, Reeve time. If you have the Superman box set, look at the special features, because he's just lovely. Okay, now some of my favourite bits. The fight against evil Superman and Clark. I love this fight and the music. My God, I just love Reeve. And that's it. Too good. Next week, it's Batman 1966 movie. See you there. I think that's the first time someone has... Oh, look at him smiling at us as he flies past the the, the (laughs) earth. Um, I think that's the first time anyone has ever reviewed Superman 3 and not mentioned the woman being forcibly turned into a cyborg computer. Oh, that was terrifying. Exactly, right? Everyone mentions it. I think Sam must have gone to the toilet at that point. (laughs) (laughs) Sam, tell us what you thought of the robot lady. Um... (laughs) How do you watch that bit through your fingers like I used to do? Um, Maybe he went to the bar and just like flicked peanuts at the at the bottom. <laughs> Maybe that's what he was doing. <laughs> I enjoy Superman three. It is not. It's not objectively. Good. It is not a good movie. Subjectively, I really love watching it. It's fun. It is. It's fun. It's and, it's and only. It's only redeeming feature is a Superman movie is is better than Superman four. I mean. Any but one I of those four movies is worth sticking on just because any time spent watching Chris Reeves in that role is a joy. Like It's, True. Just, it's just like, holy shit, True he still is be. the definitive live-action Superman. True as that may be, I've taken shits that are more enjoyable than Superman 4. Um, <laughs> so, um, oh, I've just realised, imagine if Nuclear Man had to try and wipe his ass with those nails. Ooh. Oh, imagine Ooh. if he caught himself. Oh, well, that just scoops him out, scoops it out, and shakes it off. Ah, oh, nu- nu- nuclear man, <laughs> and then sterilizes him with his heat vision. Um, <gasps> oh, you are not allowed vision. to. You are not allowed to come up with any concepts ever again. This is <laughs> what disgusting. happens when you give me a problem. This is how I solve it with poop and nukes. Um... <laughs> I want to see the anvil, like, in the case just behind the one uh, with his hair in that's just a pube holding up an anvil. <laughs> you know, like, Lex, uh, Lex Luthor and, is it Lenny Luthor, like, ah, oh, yes, a strand of Superman's hair. We're going to somehow cut it with scissors, despite the fact that it's obviously invulnerable enough to hold up a freaking weight. But in the background, oh, there's his pube. We should just steal that. Listen, That'd be easy to get hold of. They're very good scissors. Does Superman have a halo of pubes, or do you think he's clean shaved? I think he's. I think he's like a forest down there. You think so? Yeah. Like yeah, he's so he's so prim and proper, and like hair slicked back and everything. But down there, he's like ah, solid. I think that's like for a small that's for hedgehog. mine and Lois's eyes only. <laughs> there's a small hedgehog on his genitalia. The bottled forest of Candor. Yeah. Just sat on his. Welcome to yeah. the Big Toe cast. We're talking about Superman's pubic region. <laughs> All I know I was... is, regardless of how well or not well preened it is, it believes in truth, justice, and the American way. <laughs> that's that's the important thing. The American oh way, my which God. is missionary. Um... Yeah, it's 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 shot. It's shaved into the shape of an American flag. <laughs> that's horrifying. <laughs> That's truly horrifying. No, of course. Um, that's, that's we're, we're being we're being massively facetious and inappropriate. That's what Captain America's pubes look like. <laughs> that's America's mons pubis. Um. <laughs> ah! Ah! Oh no! Oh uh, Christ! 
Jesus. We started um, this out talking respectfully about important things, and now here we are. Welcome to our the second hour of the show, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's all right. It won't be here much longer, because this is the last email. Um, and the last episode. Who'd have thought it? I mean, I know, Christ, right? we had a good run. Uh, <laughs> Big damn cast cancelled. Big damn hashtag cancelled. Um, <laughs> this one comes in from Lewis. It says, greetings, Chris and Matt. It's been a while since I've emailed in, but I've been absolutely loving your various streams and chatting geeky gubbins with you guys over on Twitch. I'm Gargantuan Apple, BT Dubs. You have told me that already, and I keep forgetting. I need to The big GA. Yeah. The big Um, GA. As for the big pop culture news of the past couple of weeks, I'm thrilled by most of the upcoming DC projects. The Batman looks almost perfect, in my opinion, bringing over a timeless aesthetic as the animated series is while well, embracing some of the more comic booky characters. I'm super excited to see a new take on the Riddler after the character's absence from the big screens is 1995. I like the idea of building a proper rose gallery for Batman on the silver screen. Yeah. Most of the Batflicks end up killing off the villains <laughs> without that was a dwelling. Sli- that, was a, that was a slightly erotically charged pause there. Yeah, well, that it's was like, my I like answer. the idea of building up a rogues gallery. I uh, I inserted that. Um, and ah, well, the, and also the pause. Um, <laughs> most of the most of the bat flicks end up killing off the villains without dwelling on on the lasting impact they have on the Cape Crusader. So I have yeah. faith in Matt Reeves to do justice to the best rogues gallery in all of fiction. As for the Suicide Squad, I need this film planted into my brain at once. It looks like everything I want from superhero cinema and a huge injection of colour and creativity. Is that how you, is that how you say that word? Creat- creativity. And I, I, it's so alien to me that I, I, I don't <gasps> understand. The, oh, creativity. Cru- cru- Crouton to Viti. What? what I, I like being creative. Um, <laughs> I cannot wait to see Gunn's version of Harley and to see Margot Robert expand her character even more from the excellent portrayal we saw in Birds of Prey. And then a massive amount of amazing actors and colourful comic book characters, and it looks like a film that's right up my alley. Give Ooh, me baby. that gun goodness. <laughs> honest to goodness. Honest to gun honest to goodness. Um gun control. Uh, also I've nothing against Zack Snyder, but his behaviour surrounding the Snyder cut has been mm. nothing short of childish and pathetic. His mm. insistence that he's making a film for grown-ups gives me flashbacks of the mean-spirited, toxic tone that made BVS such an upsetting film to experience for me. On paper, I think the existence of the Snyder Cut is as valid as the Donner Cut of Superman 2, and I'm happy it's being released, if only in the name of creative freedom. But what I'm seeing so far is a pretentious, dude-bro-obsessed mess. Agreed. Um... <laughs> Lastly, I'd like to pay tribute to the king himself, Chadwick Boseman. I was genuinely devastated to hear of his passing, and his dedication in the last four years, despite all of his health issues, is nothing short of inspiring. He made an impact on so many lives, and he will absolutely be remembered forever. Rest in power, king. That's all from me. See you next time, folks. Uh, Yeah, again, just a good place to end the show, sort of echoing that sort of respect and uh, that outpouring of uh, of good feeling mm. for Chadwick Boseman and everything he did and his family that he, he, he leaves behind and the legacy that he leaves behind. Um, yeah. For Chadwick Boseman. Chadwick Boseman, Wakanda forever. Indeed. Um, 
And if you'd like to get in touch, if you want to talk about the issues we've brought about or the stories we've covered in this week's episode, uh, or you just want to ask us a question about any old geeky gossip or nerdy news or any of that shit, or, or the newly... The new oh somebody's at the door. Matt's gonna answer the door live during this podcast. Oh, this is amazing. Well, while Matt answers the door, I'm gonna wrap up the episode. Uh, you can get in touch with us, bigdamncontact at gmail.com. You can tweet to us at bigdamncast. You can also watch us anytime on Twitch.tv/slash bigdamstream and our affiliated hosted streams. And of course, the Big Damn channel on YouTube is where you can find all of our glorious stuff. Hopefully, more stuff as we start to possibly move out of a pandemic because we're definitely not going to get a second wave. <laughs> oh God! Oh don't. wait. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, what did you get in the post? Uh, a new phone. Let me open it up. He's going to crack open his new Teftalone for us. Teftalone. This is a uh, a OnePlus Nord. Oh. I don't know and what that is, but annoying, I, I, I weird, weirdly I want to lick it. Annoyingly, like most modern smartphones, my options were severely limited uh, because none of them, none of the choices came with fucking headphone jacks. Oh, for Christ's so sake! So I'm finally headphone jackless. Yeah, I hope. Just, just jack it, Matt. I, uh, I'm going to have to charge my Bluetooth headphones for once, um, <laughs> which I haven't been doing because I haven't been leaving the house. Uh, well, that's but fine, yes. because once you've charged it, you can listen to the big damn cast. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, you should can. Thanks for listening, everyone. I'm going to go charge it- my lovely new phone. Um, and, yeah, be good. Be good to each other. Be good to each other. If you enjoy the show, support us on Big Damn uh, Cast on Patreon, patreon.com slash Big Damn Cast. Uh, and also, do us a huge favour if you listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, leave us a good review. Leave us a lovely review behind. Give us a star rating. Tell people what Oh, you yeah, that'd be show. nice. That'd be nice. And until uh, uh, then, I'm going to watch Matt slowly unbox a piece of plastic. The charging Ooh. cable is red. Oh. The colour of Spunk. Look at the size of my plug. Your Spunk's not colour too red. Ha, 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 ha.